This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 167, and we are recording on February 4th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Christina Orlando, and we are both coming to you from Book Riot. Christina is a contributor and a bibliologist for TBR. Welcome. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tell us about being a bibliologist. What does that mean? So essentially, um, I give professional personalized book recommendations um, through Book Riot subscription service, my TBR or tailored book recommendations. Um, essentially, if you're looking for something new to read and you don't know where to start, you sign up with us and tell a little bit about what you like and what you'd like more of and what you don't like and link your Goodreads. And then we send you three books that we think you'd like and Um, it's all very personal. Like I dig through everything, um, to find things that I think would be really perfect and that, you know, match what you're interested in and maybe push it a little bit, push your boundaries. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. I really love doing it. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Um, what are you reading right now? So I am reading my way through the queer canon. Um, and right now I'm reading The Swimming Pool Library by Alan Hollinghurst, um, which mm. is kind of, I think it flies under the radar a little bit, but um, I'm totally a sucker for this kind of novel. It's not really like much isn't really happening plot wise, but it's very aesthetic and it's like super erotic and um, a lot about sex, which um, I'm into. It's fine. Um, (laughs) the protagonist is, um, very posh, um, and like a young man in England, um, sort of just living his life and the people around him are mostly very posh. And he goes to this, um, exclusive gym, basically sort of like Equinox before Equinox. Um, Mm. and it's all very high class and it's all very kind of horny, um, And it's very interesting to me how queerness in this kind of society was dealt with. Obviously, all the characters in this novel come from privilege, so they have a bit more access to opportunities and can be a little bit more flagrant with things and a little bit more out in the open, but it's still all behind closed doors. So there's activity in this exclusive gym and behind and in his house, but not so much, you know, like they don't talk about it out in public and they're very careful when they're in bars and things like that. and it's it's interesting to me because the way we talk about queerness in literature now is very different. We have novels about characters who want to live out in the open and we have these big coming out stories and, you know, confessing to your parents and things like that. Um, but this novel, they'll never do that. So, but he's still living a very exciting life. And that's very interesting to me. The dynamic is very interesting. Oh, yeah. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I am working on Black Leopard, Red Wolf, which is Marlon James's new book, which comes out by the time the show it will be aired, actually. It comes out this week. Um, and it is like a really dense 
they've they've been pitching it as the African Game of Thrones. So like and and that's I don't I mean I like this uh I like this book a lot. It is so violent right from the get-go and it also is really long and like meaty and dense. So it's going to take me a while. I'm going to be reading this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um but I am really loving it. It's like if you've read Marlon James before, you know his writing style is just so immersive and it's sort of dialogue it's very almost like folktale sort of kind of or it feels like you're being told a story um and not like reading one necessarily it's really interesting um so yeah so far still really enjoying that all right so let's see how does this show work you might be asking yourself it is as we mentioned a reading recommendation show which means that much like tbr you send us a question about what you should read next or what your book club should read next or if you are looking for a gift for a friend or a relative and we will do our best to find a book for you you can shoot those questions to us either via email it's getbooked at bookriot.com or you can put them in the show notes there's a form uh, on the site for every episode in the show notes and if you have a time sensitive question, please do put time sensitive either in the subject line of the email or the very first line of the form, like all caps, and then let us know what date you're hoping to receive a response by. If we're not going to get to it on air uh, in that time frame, we might send along an email response to keep an eye out for those. Um, And so, yeah, I'm going to read our first question and then tell you a little bit about our first sponsor and away we will go. So our first question is from Lizbeth, who says, I'm looking for some novels in verse to read. I've always been a big fan of poetry, but never read too many novels in verse. Recently, I read Ann Carson's amazing autobiography of Red and discovered a new favorite book. Uh, Don't really know where to start with more. I know of Brown Girl Dreaming from this show and have ordered it. Obviously, I've read the classic epic poetry like Homer, Virgil, and Ovid, etc. I'm open to any genres or themes, and I enjoy a wide variety of different poets. I read a lot of classic and modern poetry, so I'm not afraid of jumping into anything a bit dense. All right. Well, before we do that, it turns out, surprise, that our first sponsor is TBR. (laughs) It's almost like we have a theme for today. Um, So yes, as Christina was telling you, it is our new subscription service uh, offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. So if you've been dreaming for a stitch fix for books, this is basically that. You tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for, and then your bibliologist will handpick recommendations just for you. And we have plans where you can receive hardcover books in the mail or get recommendations by email. So there's an option for every budget. So you can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. You'll get on there. You'll fill out a quiz and some questions and link up your Goodread profiles and away you will go. So thank you to us for sponsoring our show. (laughs) Um, Okay, so our first question, again, just to sum up, was for uh, novels in verse. So, Christina, what are you recommending for that? So, of course, I have to recommend The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo um, for a few reasons. Elizabeth Acevedo is a very accomplished slam poet. Um, And this is a very powerful story about a young Afro-Latina girl, the Omara, who is sort of having some difficulty growing up. She's struggling with the expectations put on her by her mother. She's dealing with boys who treat her like a sex object. She's getting into fights and she is sort of in that um, teenage point in her life where she's questioning a lot and like trying to assert herself. Um, The story is a lot about family, a lot about uh, crushing on a boy that you're not supposed to like and doing things that you're not supposed to do and um, sneaking around behind your family's back, as I think a lot of rebellious teenagers do. And it's very juicy in that way. 
Um, but the difference is that Ziomara writes poetry and she uses poetry as an outlet. And she has a teacher who really encourages her. Um, and eventually she joins a, a poetry club and she really starts to come into her own through that. Um, it's really about how life-changing poetry can be and how, you know, she sort of learns to assert herself. And it's just like a really important book. You know, those of us in the book world talk a lot about representation and inclusivity. And so it's really important that a book like this written by a young Afro-Latinx woman and about Afro-Latinx identity is sort of getting the recognition that it's been getting. And um, just sort of like a nerdy aside, I did actually ask the National Book Foundation to send me a medallion to put on the cover. Um, nice. I didn't have one. So I was like, I feel like I need to put some respect on it. I feel like she's, you know, it's so important. And it's um, such a, a monumental moment that this young woman got recognized in that way. So I asked for a sticker to put on the cover. Did they send you one? They did with a very nice note. And um, it made me very happy. That is the best story I've heard in a while. That's amazing. That's the kind of nerd That's I incredible. am. <laughs> I I like I'm impressed and also I love that. That's fantastic. Um yeah, I that book is on my my TBR stack and I have got to get to it. Um so oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm going to have all the feelings. Um, so um I there was mentions of Anne Carson and also like epic poetry like Homer, Virgil and Ovid and so I picked for you a really odd sort of epic poetry but it's like heavy metal modern epic poetry sort of um it's the sampo by peter o'leary uh came out from a small press um called the culture cultural society in 2016 so relatively recently um and it pulls from the kalevala this which is this like long finnish epic um and so it's like he is it's like the Finnish Beowulf, basically. And so what O'Leary is doing is like retelling some of these stories from the source material. But he has, like I said, like a very like heavy metal rock and roll sort of sensibility. Um, and I love like I love Homer. I love Ovid. I love Ann Carson. I like love Ann Carson. Um, and, and so I feel like we're in the same sort of general wheelhouse. And this read was really interesting and really fun. Like it made me feel sort of like I was reading something like one of those much more like older classical epics. But it had... I don't even know how to describe the modern twists in the same way that like, it's hard to describe like what Ann Carson does, but she does it. Um, and so, and yeah, Peter O'Leary is doing so, like his own version of that. Um, it's just a really interesting read. It's very immersive. I found it like flowed very well. I didn't struggle with it at all. Um, but it's like certainly not your, it's not like a novel in verse the same way that like, for example, the poet X is like, there's a narrative and a start and a finish. And it's like a clear sort of story. Um, this is much more like you're sort of dipping into this, this sort of mythological world. And here's what's going on in that mythological world. So if that sounds good to you, again, that's the Sampo uh, by Peter O'Leary. All right. Will you read our next question for us? Sure. All right. I am going to Lyon in March and would love some reading material to get me even more excited than I already am. Historical fiction is definitely my favorite, but I like all genres, including romance, young adult, and nonfiction. Some of my most beloved authors include Rose Lerner, Barbara Pym, J Becky Chambers, Jess Kidd. Um, please only women authors. Thank you. And that's from Hillary. 
Um, All right. Okay. So my pick is Chocolat by Joanne Harris, which you may be familiar of, uh, with the movie version, which stars um, Johnny Depp uh, before he was skeevy. <laughs> but uh, Chocolat is... Um, I guess we wouldn't call it magical realism, even though it sort of feels that way because it is uh, by a white woman author. Um, but it's still such a beautiful, beautiful story. So lush and does have that sort of um, low fantasy, fabulous fairy tale kind of feel. Um, it is about a, a woman and her daughter who move into a small town in the South of France Um she is a nomad. She's been living this very nomadic life and she opens up a chocolate shop in the middle of Lent in this very conservative small town. Um, it is one of those stories about the the people in the town and about how she sort of disrupts them and she brings this indulgence in the middle of a period that is supposed to be about um, conservativeness and about giving up your indulgences and um, her influence and her creations, her confections start to um, influence the people around her and sort of cause everyone to let loose a little bit. And it's a beautiful story and very atmospheric and very much, uh, very French. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, I have a a cozy mystery for you. Uh, It's called The Body in the Vestibule. It's by Catherine Hall Page, and it's the fourth in this Faith Fairchild series. I started reading it over the weekend. It's super fun, and it does not, again, like most of these kinds of mysteries, I don't think it's necessary that you have read the first couple. Um, And it's about a young woman named Faith Fairchild, as you might have guessed, um, who is married to a minister and has one young son excuse me, one young son and is pregnant. Um, and she is like, has been a caterer, but be, you know, she's pregnant she's taking time off of work and her husband gets this gig to go and spend like a month in Leon. Um, to finish up his dissertation. And so they jump at the chance, you know, she's a caterer, so she loves food. So she's so excited about this. Um, And so they're living in Leon in this little uh, apartment building and she decides she's going to throw a dinner party um, like you do. And somebody turns up dead in the vestibule of her building. Uh, And so, and then the corpse vanishes um, before the police get there. And you sort of find out as the story progresses that like, She's been involved in investigations before back in the U.S., but like, you know, she's she's a fish out of water in this in Lyon in France. And, you know, how is this like, how is she going to help solve this mystery? What if the killer comes back for somebody else in the building? Like, et cetera, et cetera. You can imagine. Um and as I was reading it, it was so atmospheric. Like I felt like I could see her apartment building and her neighbors. She describes beautifully in the little market where she's doing her shopping and like picking her son up from, you know, wherever the play dates or whatever. And it was just so if it really did feel like I was there. And so if you're looking to get a sense of like, you know, that neighborhood in that area, I think this would do really well. It's also interesting because there's during the dinner party, there's like some conversation about like, oh, everybody has feelings, um, different feelings and opinions about being part of the European Union, which is like it's like oh gosh like we know how that turned out and now what's happening with the European Union and it was this weird sort of moment of like. 
I was just like, my brain was like, like, oh, right. This is, this is how people felt before. And now we're revisiting this, you know, 30 years later, like here we are still talking about it. Um, it was very interesting. Uh, so, but yes, it's definitely, you know, I think it, it will be, even though it's not your definite preferred genres, I think you'll find it very readable and very fun. So um, again, that is The Body in the Vestibule by Catherine Hall Page. And let's see. Our next question is from Selena, who sent in her Goodreads uh, link as well. Super useful. There's a there's a spot for that in the form um, now as well, which is it is very handy if you do that. So thank you for that. Um, okay, so Selena says my all time favorite show is NBC's Hannibal. I like the movies and books, but the show is light years better. And after watching it for the fifth time, I decided I need something else that is similar because my friends and family will murder me if I ever mention it again. I'm looking for something that's equally dark. And twisted but aesthetically beautiful. My favorite thing about the show was the complex love hate relationship between the protagonists and antagonists, the blade they blurred into one, their exploration of good and evil, how intentionally pretentious the whole show is. Uh, some books that have kind of helped fill the hole so far were Song of Achilles because of the writing. Vicious, If We Were Villains, The Secret History, and Born Darkly. I'd love anything you could find that is remotely like this and bonus points for good queer rep. All right. What you got? So I went with uh, Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. Um, I sort of leaned into the dark and aesthetically beautiful uh, part of this brief. Um, I will say my darling girlfriend is a huge Hannibal fan and I totally get that feeling. It's very, um, it's very beautiful to watch, even when it's violent. It still is visually arresting, and I felt her body and other parties sort of captured that as well. It's very, um, it's just so so incredible. Um, I'm a huge fan. Um, it's a story collection in the magical realism vein, but sort of leaning into that darker, a little bit more horrific. Um, element. It does deal a lot with violence against women um, and sexual harassment and things of that nature, but is also focused on um, sort of the strength of women and the beauty of women. And it is very queer and it's written by a queer author. Um, a lot of the stories in it draw from fairy tale elements and there is a big, long sort of um, you know, like a longer piece um, that is based on episodes of SVU, of Law & Order SVU, which is um, very incredible and um, a, a very ambitious take and um, very well accomplished. Uh, so that's definitely my pick. And that, again, is Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. So good. That's a great thought. I did not have that thought, and now I wish I had. Um, let's see. Which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Super dude. Super good. Um, so I'm assuming, Selena, that you've watched Killing Eve, but if you haven't, you need to get on that. Um, and then I, I took this to Jamie, uh, who is our resident mystery, thriller, etc. expert for some help because I don't read a ton of this kind of stuff. And she recommended Love Murder by Saul Black um, because it hits the dark serial killer mark. And while it doesn't have that like pretentious vibe necessarily it is cat and mouse and there's a relationship between the serial killers like 
yeah, I won't say the thing because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but there is like a, a romantic relationship involved in this. So it's about a detective, a San Francisco homicide detective named Valerie Hart, um, who's like trying to plan a weekend away. But then, of course, she gets a call because you never get any time off if you're a detective. Um, and it's a woman who's been murdered. And there is a cryptic note left by the body addressed to Valerie. And she doesn't know the victim. But the scene when she goes to analyze it starts to point her towards um, feeling like this has been committed by a woman she already put away, um, a woman named Catherine who's in a maximum security prison uh, for a series of gruesome killings and like she's caught her and arrested her and she's, you know, in prison and, you know, like eh, awaiting execution. So how it can't be her, but like what is going on here? So now Valerie has to like do the thing and like, go find out like, how is this connected? Um, so it has, I think a lot of that Hannibal vibe and Jamie highly recommended it. This cover is like really intense y'all. Um, it appears to be number two in the series, but again, I think you're probably fine if you haven't read the first one. So again, that is love murder by Valerie Hart or excuse me. It's Valerie Hart is the series. The book is by Saul Black. Okay. So our next question comes from Lindsay. I'm looking for a book of poetry as a gift for my spouse. Um, they like Sonnets to Orpheus, Paul Salon, and other lyrical poems about the human condition. Themes of love and inspiration are ideal, but not required. I would prefer to support a living poet and appreciate any recommendations. Um, I'm very happy that you would prefer to support a living poet. I'm a big fan of contemporary poetry. This is right in my wheelhouse. Um, and I'm a very, you know, like, I believe that people should be reading contemporary poetry and not just limiting themselves to the classics. It's so that's very exciting. Um, my pick is Oceanic by Amy uh, Nazuka Matata. Um, I hope that I pronounce her name right. Um, <laughs> so she <laughs> writes a lot about the natural world. A lot of her work stems from nature. Um, and she writes a lot about the joy and wonderment and ecstasy at the natural world and how small things and small moments can be really meaningful. Um, and her poems are so elegant. And I think that they really encourage you to stop and take stock of what's around you whether that's your family or nature or home. Um, and it sort of talks about what home means and what family means. Um, this collection in particular focuses on the ocean and on sea life and being by the sea. Um, and it's just so beautiful. I think she does a, a beautiful job of spinning her observations into really impactful poems and just allowing her readers to take a moment and feel really connected. Um, and again, that is Oceanic by Amy Nazuka Matato. Nice. I had a moment of sad that I can't recommend Mary Oliver to this question because she is no longer with us. Um, but if you were going to have like a bonus pick, that would be anything. Mary Oliver is my bonus pick for you. Um, my actual pick is Smith Blue by Camille T. Dungy. You have been hearing me talk about her because I just did that reread of Guidebook to Relative Strangers, which is her essay collection. She's so good. Um, and I confess that I haven't read every poem in Smith Blue yet, but the ones that I've read are fantastic. And this collection is about like what we're talking about, like love, loss, and then also in this context of nature. So um, she's looking at, you know, how we are impacted by the environment, how the environment, um, 
you know, is in conversation with us. And then also how we are in conversation with the people around us, whether they're, you know, a loved one or a stranger or a child, like it's all of these different, interesting, you know, relational moments. Um, and she's so good at building those moments in time. Um, there's, if you go to like the Goodreads page for this book, one of the poems is there and it's one of my favorites. It's so good. Um, and the, she has like these moments of like real, like finding the darkness that's in these spaces, but also finding the light. And I like that balance a lot. Um, so they're not all like super cheerful, like lovey-dovey, like that's not what she's doing. She's exploring sort of the full range of emotion. Um, and some of that is positive and some of it is not, but it, her language is so beautiful. Oh gosh, I love her work so much. Um, so yes, I continue to be obsessed with Camille T. Dungy's work. And uh, I think this would be a great collection. The cover is stunning. So again, that is Smith Blue by Camille T. Dungy. All right. Oh, our next sponsor is uh, for the mystery people who are listening. Uh, it's The Lost Man by Jane Harper. She is back. I don't know about y'all, but I have not stopped hearing about her since the drag came out. Like tons of the Book Riot contributors and readers are obsessed with her. And so now we are getting a new novel from her. Um, it is called The Lost Man. And it is about two brothers who meet for the first time in months in the Australian outback and their third brother lies dead at their feet. So obviously things are very intense. They are grieving. Suspicions are rising. Family secrets are starting to come to light. And there can only be so many suspects because they are, in fact, in the outback. So this is going to be another really intense roller coaster of a mystery thriller from Jane Harper, who, if you haven't heard about her yet... Um, you definitely should check her out. She's, a, like I said, a, a house favorite around here. Um, and everybody I know who's read her has just been raving. So again, that is The Lost Man by Jane Harper. Thank you for sponsoring the show. All right. Our next question is from Ellie, who says, The greatest tragedy of my life is that Hanya Yanagahara has only released two books. I loved them both, particularly A Little Life. For two years, I've been looking for books that give me the same feelings, especially books with queer characters, and I need some help. What you got? So um, it is my great shame that I have not actually read A Little Life yet. As I mentioned before, I'm going through the queer canon, so it's on my list. Um, and my pick is another uh, sort of queer canon. This time it's Tipping the Velvet by Sarah Waters, which is a lesbian novel. It takes place in Victorian London. It's about a young woman named Nan who is working with her family. And then she meets a woman named Kitty, who is essentially the Victorian equivalent of a drag king. Um, and she starts getting involved with that theater scene and eventually then involved with Kitty as well. Um, and Nan sort of discovers this whole new world. She leaves home. She gets very involved in the theater and things sort of spiral from there. It is about her life and about um, her finding herself and finding love and um, finding sex. And um, she does... Uh, dress up in drag and she works as a, a rent boy for a while and it's about gender and about um, discovering your sexuality and and it's very interesting to me sort of in the same vein as the swimming pool library which I mentioned before how we talk about queerness in the past um because there is no coming out story all this happens behind closed doors but that doesn't mean that 
they weren't living full lives and that they weren't falling in love and they weren't, you know, finding ways to express themselves. And that is very, very meaningful. There is a lot of tragedy in this one. There's a lot of heartbreak. There's a lot of um, interconnectedness of these people's lives. Um, And so I think it'll fit in nicely with um, your, your love for a little life. And again, that is tipping the velvet by Sarah Waters. Very nice. I had to get help with this one just because I had to stop reading A Little Life because it was too tragic for me. Um, it was just, oh my gosh, so sad. Um, but I feel you. She's an amazing writer. And it's if you can hang with it, it's incredible. Um, but Liberty and I were talking and she recommended The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne, which I've also seen just tons of raves for around. Um, and it's about a young man named Cyril Avery who is adopted. Uh, he was it's, it's set in Ireland um, and he was born, you know, to a teenage girl who was like cast out of her rural community for not being married when she got pregnant. Um, and this Dublin couple, this very eccentric Dublin couple uh, adopted him. Um, but he has kind of been told like he'll never be a real Avery. So it's not exactly like the most perfect and welcoming of families. Um and he is sort of adrift um, with his main anchor, a friendship with a young, glamorous young man named Julian Woodbead. Um, and so this is about his like, you know, l- it, it takes place over the whole course of his life, um, trying to find an identity and what does home mean. And it is a queer story and it is like a rough you know, heartbreaking story. So if you are looking for that, those kinds of feels, um, apparently this will definitely fit the bill. Um, laugh slash cry slash ooh, all the feelings. So again, that's The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. Okay. Our next question comes from Kyla. Um, I typically read hard fantasy, but once in a while I crave something a little lighter. When I'm in that reading mood, I have really enjoyed magical realism stories with a romantic plot or subplot. I love the lush and lyrical writing. Um, I enjoyed The Weight of Feathers and The Strange and Beautiful Sorrows of Ava Lavender. The Night Circus is definitely on my list, but I was hoping you could give me some more diverse options, please. Um, what I'm really looking for is beautiful writing and ending that makes you feel happy and fulfilled and a story that makes you turn the page because it is just so damn lovely. Um, that was a very like lovely little note. We love, (laughs) we just talked about things that are very tragic and now we're sort of switching it up and going a lighter route, which I love. Mm. Um, so my pick is the classic like water for chocolate by Laura Esquivel, Um, which is a magical realism story, part of the sort of classic uh, magical realism canon. Um, It follows a young girl whose name is Tita, who falls in love with her neighbor, Pedro, but they're not allowed to marry because of this sort of weird family tradition that dictates the youngest daughter has to stay at home to care for her mother. And her mother is a little bit overbearing. Um, So she is not allowed to marry the love of her life, which is a, terrible um and becomes very frustrating and the boy pedro ends up marrying her older sister um so she tita becomes the main cook of the family and is very passionate about food and this is sort of where the magical realism element comes in 
in the same way uh, that chocolate does, her food starts affecting everything around her. It's a little bit more heavy on the magical realism element. For example, she cries into a cake, into a, the wedding cake, and then it makes everyone sick and it sort of disrupts the wedding. And, you know, it's sort of an expression of her feelings about the fact that her love of the love of her life is getting married. Um, everything sort of goes topsy-turvy. It is definitely romantic. Her love for Pedro is a consistent theme and they do remain connected throughout. It's super emotional and it's really like all about this woman's emotions and her life. And um, it's about that sort of traditional women's work and women's power. And, you know, the way that she takes control of her life is through cooking and, and through her recipes. And um, it really influences those around her, even when outside forces are trying to oppress her. Um, so it, it does, it, there are very light moments, um, and, and beautiful sort of light fantasy, magical realism moments as well. Um, again, that is like Water for Chocolate by Lara Esquivel. Nice. I picked for you Mistress of Spices by Trich excuse me, Chitra Banerjee Divakaruni. Um, and this book, uh, I'm going to give a little, a couple trigger warnings. Uh, it includes descriptions of domestic violence. Um, there's a hate crime and, uh, and, and so it has some serious material, but it is so, it is so atmospheric. It is so beautifully written. Um, I just think you will love it. It's about a young woman. Well, it's about a woman named Tilo, um, who was born like a long, long time ago. Um, and who became trained in the art of spices and like in her hands, like she has this natural talent and is part of this group of women who can, you know, bring out the powers that are inherent in these spices. Um, so, you know, like... I don't know, like peppercorn can make somebody sweat out their secrets or, you know, things like that. Like the spices can impact people in these these sort of subtle magical ways. There's a lot of food magical realism is there. It's very interesting. Um, and so, uh, but sort of what you give up to have to become a mistress of spices is that you uh, get sent to a place where you are supposed to help your community um, through your use of the spices, but you're not really allowed to like the spices have to tell you, you don't get to pick and choose what you do. Um, and you be, you get like this body of an old woman, like you don't get to keep your own body. Um, and so Tilo is sort of assigned to Oakland, California, um, where she has a little shop um, on this, you know, sort of like very neighborhoody, sort of a little bit downtrodden, but still fine street. And it's her job to help the Indian American community there. Um, and so you see these people come and go from her shop and, you know, they're coming in for, you know, lentils or a dollar or whatever. And, and she can tell just by looking at them and talking to them, you know, what's going wrong in their lives and so and then the spices you know sort of speak through her and and she gives this one this and this one that and you know that's that's her job um and then she starts but she's very willful and it's hard for her not to like want to be in charge um and so she's struggling with that a little bit and then one night uh, a very attractive non non-indian person comes into this shop and she's uh very drawn to him and it almost feels like he can see past her little old lady exterior into like her heart. But how can that be? Um, and so that's that's where our romantic subplot starts. Um, and things go out from there. And it's just such an amazing look at like, you know, these 
immigrant experiences and also the power of of food like obviously in real life, you know, these things don't happen this way, but, but it's so true that, you know, a good meal or the right tea or the right whatever can like make such a difference in your life, but then also how we don't always know the consequences of our actions. And she's exploring so many of these themes in here. And then also the racial unrest in Oakland um, at the time that the book takes place, which is like the late nineties, I want to say somewhere in the nineties. Um, and then there's, you know, this romantic subplot, which is like, oh, very tense. Like, oh, how's this? What's going to happen? Um, and so I just loved it. It's so it just, you know, sucked me in and and it flew me away. And I was in it to win it. Like, it, it just blazed through it. Um, I will have a quick note to say that there is a fairly limited representation of Native Americans. That is like there is there's positive as well as the negative, but it's 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 narrow within the scope of the book. So um, if that's going to bother you, maybe give it a skip. But um, but it is really it's just a really stunning novel on the whole. And um, I think it's definitely a good fit for this question. So, again, that's The Mistress of Spices by Chitra Banerjee Divakaruni. All right. And our last question is from Mary Beth, who says, I recently finished reading Red Clocks by Lenny Zumas, and I really, really loved and related to Ro, the biographer, and Jen, the mender's independence. They didn't have current romantic slash life partners. They weren't agonizing over being alone or trying to find someone. I'm getting sick of novels where women spend a lot of time worrying about being on the shelf. Would like to read more books with women who are single and proud, and romance isn't anywhere near the top of their priority list. I'm willing to read any genre, length, or format. All right. What you got? So I um, picked All Grown Up by Jamie Jamie Attenberg. Um, This, to me, feels like a very quintessential feminist single girl novel. Um, And Jamie Attenberg is this spectacular writer. I love her to death. Um, All Grown Up tells the story of a young woman who, after leaving college, um, wants to become an artist and it doesn't quite work out. She moves to New York um, and she sort of becomes disillusioned with creating art. And so she gets a job at a marketing company. It's a novel that's told sort of in vignettes. So it's scenes from her life. It's about relationships, um, about her family, about work. It's a very New York novel. It feels very millennial New York-ish. Um, and throughout the the story, the theme is that she doesn't really want to settle down and she, you know, doesn't, you know, she isn't interested in that traditional life of, you know, finding a husband and finding, you know, and having kids and settling down. And there's a little bit of tension with her family because of that, but she is very assertive in this, you know, I'm living my life the way that I want to, and I'm figuring things out on my own. Um, and she is not interested in, having a long-term relationship. That doesn't mean that she doesn't have other relationships or their boyfriends, but um, she's very much, you know, remaining on that path of, of not being married. Um, and it's a, a wonderfully told, uh, again, very modern, feels very relatable. Uh, she is maybe slightly unlikable, but in that way where it's like, mm, like sometimes I'm kind of that dirtbag too. Um, again, that is all <laughs> run up by Jamie Attenberg. 
I love that book too. It's a good one. Um, all right. Well, you said you were willing to read any genre length or format, and I'm taking you up on it. I am recommending The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang, which I know I've talked about on the show before, but y'all, it's so good. Um, it gets trigger warnings for rape, war crimes, and genocide. This is not a light read. Um, this is an epic fantasy novel set in a sort of ancient China uh, inspired setting. Um, And it's about a young woman named Rin who is a war orphan under the care of some terrible guardians. Um, And she is sort of being backed into a corner where they're going to marry her off to some awful man in the village. And she just wants nothing to do with it. Um, And her only path out of this is to ace the Keju, which is this empire wide test to find the most talented youth. And then if you ace it, you get a, you get to go to a school run by the empire. Um, and, and so she's like, all right, like, I don't have any money. I don't have any resources. This is my way out. And she does ace it to the point where they accuse her of cheating because she does it so perfectly. And like, how could this, you know, girl from nowhere, backwater, do such a good job? But she gets herself into the most elite military school, uh, which is called Synagard. And that is not easy either. Um, she is young. She lacks family. She's darker skinned. And, you know, the the kids at this elite academy are often from elite families who could afford, you know, tutors for this aptitude test and all of that stuff. So she's really struggling to find her place. Um, and she's also being trained in the arts of war. Um, and she has so much going on that like romance is like not a thing for Rin. Like she's got zero time or inclination. Like she can barely make friends, um, much less have a romantic relationship. And there is some hero worship and she does have some, you know, intense relationships with people, but like romance is not part of this book really at all. Um, And so, yeah, if you just want to like follow a young woman who is going to go through some really hard stuff and then, you know, end up being part of this really intense war um, and she's just trying to stay alive and survive to the best of her ability and also to find her place. Like she's got these talents, she's got these skills, but nobody wants to give her a chance. So how does she, you know, find her place? Um, That's what this is about. Um, And there's some magic, there's, you know, shamanic powers and there's terrible battles and it's really intense. Um, But yeah, if you don't mind like getting real into the genre span of things, this is going to, I think, scratch all of those itches for you. So again, that, that's The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang. And that's our show. Huzzah! <laughs> that was- Christina, thank you so much for coming on. No, that was great. I, I really love giving book recommendations, and I especially love being able to talk about magical realism and poetry in this way. Well, good. I'm glad you liked the question. I'm not going to lie. I handpicked questions for you. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I All right. Games. <laughs> Well, thank you all for listening. Um, as always, if you would leave us a rating and or a review on Apple Podcasts, it would be great. It helps other folks to find the show and we love to see the feedback. Thank you to today's sponsors for making the shows possible. Um, you can find me on social media on Twitter. It's Jen IRL and then that is Jen with two N's, Jen IRL. Uh, what about you? I am CX Orlando on Twitter and Christina Bruyera um, on Instagram. Awesome. And we will talk to you next time. <laughs>